asking for an invitation. And they'll see you and they just won't bring it up, but they'll say, hey, what'd you do? Or then all of a sudden church will come around. And a lot of times what we do is we shy away from talking about it. We shy away from saying, oh, I went to church. Um, And a lot of times they're looking for something. Because we're all looking to worship something. We are worshiping something. And that was the whole deal at the beginning of the gar- in the garden. Um, excuse me. When the beginning of time. When did you know that, that Lucifer was a worshiper? He was the head of God's worship. He was God's worship leader. The Bible talks about that like within his body there were like organs that and and instruments that actually when he would breathe or move he there would emanate a worship to the lord well he it's all about worship because god threw him out of heaven because he rebelled against him because he was trying to take over so here's how satan operates he wants to get you to worship anything other than god He can win if you worship yourself. He can win if you worship others. He can win if you worship a a team. Or he can win if you worship recreation. I mean, you name it. There's many things that can take our time for worship. So I want to really talk about coming face to face with God. and, 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 And I could segue into... You know, obviously, Satan at one time came face to face with God and God threw him out because of his rebellion. But I want you to know that there's other places in the scripture that really talks about an encounter with God and really coming face to face with God. Say face to face. And we've been we've been a lot of us have been taught that it could be face to face. Shelly, do you have just a minute? Can you step up here just a minute? She's digging, digging in there. That it could be face-to-face like this. And then we've also heard that a face-to-face term would be face-to-face with God this way. So then that way, whatever God sees, I see. If he looks to the right, if he looks to the left, then I see that. But tonight, I'm going to talk a little bit about this face-to-face, okay? Let's give my wonderful assistant a hand. That is amazing. So... I'm going to talk about being face-to-face this way with God. So face-to-face, is it, is it really a biblical term? Is this about his presence with God? And let's look at a couple places, because the first place that I was able to find it in Scripture was Genesis chapter 32. And it was really talks about um, in verse 30, 32, 30. Um, and it really talks about, do you remember the story about Jacob wrestling with an angel some people talk about an an angel there are some theologians that believe that that was God himself wrestling with Jacob so I just want to take a few minutes and let's just read I I was I originally when I looked at that I thought I'm just going to give you the scripture and then I thought no let's go back and read about it so I'm going to read along with Jacob in in verse 33 excuse me chapter 32, verse 24. Is that what I put up there? Yeah, great. I'm looking at 33. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. 
When he saw that he had not prevailed against him, he touched the socket of his thigh, and the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So look look here just a moment. So now we've got Jacob wrestling with an angel, wrestling with God. How about, could I even say God's messenger? And obviously he wrestled for a long time. And daybreak was coming. Now, I don't know what daybreak had to do, but something had to do with daybreak. Otherwise, the word of God wouldn't highlight that like daybreak's coming. I got to go. You know what I mean? Like maybe the angel was set on assignment and said, you wrestle with him until he surrenders. Are you with me? Or until daybreak comes. And maybe the angel had a certain assignment that he had at daybreak that was taking place. I don't know. But it does highlight that he talked about wrestling with them until until daybreak. And and he and he, he goes on and he, he's like, you know, I, I'm I'm not gonna let you go until you bless me. Say bless me. Until you bless me. He's wrestling with the angel and and, and you know it's like I'm not gonna let go let go until you bless me. And he said, Your name verse twenty seven. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Now, the word Jacob, the name Jacob means deceiver or supplanter. He was a liar. He was a deceiver. He was a cheater. Hello? Because Jacob cheated Esau and deceived Esau out of the blessing that the father wanted to give him. So Jacob went in, remember? Jacob went in, he put hair on his arms and and he acted like he was Esau and went in and received received the blessing. So he says, there shall be, verse 27, so he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And Jacob asked him and he said, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob named the place Peniel, and he said, I have seen God, right there it is, face to face, say face to face, yet my life has been preserved. So was, was there a perception that if I was to meet God face to face that I would lose my life? Do you understand? Why would the Bible say that I've seen God or Jacob say, I've seen God face to face, or now his name is Israel. I've seen God face to face, and I've survived. (laughs) My life is still there. So his perception of God might have been one, maybe that God wasn't a good God. Hello? So we see that in face to face, and he says, yet my life has been preserved. That was the first mention. Let's look at the second mention in Exodus. Just flip, turn right over with me in Exodus. And let's look at, I want to look at Exodus 33. There we go. There's my 33. Exodus 33. And let's look at verses 7 through 11. Exodus 33, 7 through 11. Exodus 33, 7 through 11. 
It says, Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp a good distance from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. And it came about whenever Moses was outside the tent, all the people would arise and stand, each at the entrance of the tent, and gaze after Moses until he entered the tent. Okay, so let me break this down. So the tent of meeting was where, remember we had talked about the presence of God. The presence of God was in the tent of meeting. So Moses would go over to the tent of meeting to meet with God, and all the Israelites, they would go and look. They'd stand at their tent, and they would look out to see Moses go and meet with God. Okay, you got that? So he goes on and he says, Whenever Moses entered the tent, a pillar of the cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent. And the Lord would speak with Moses. The Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would arise and worship each at the entrance of his tent. So there they are where they would see, and when they see the, 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 the cloud meet with Moses, then they would begin to worship. And that word worship literally was to bow down. They would bow down before the Lord. That is an act of worship. Have you, not too long ago, well, a few years ago, our president did an act of worship to a Muslim leader. Did you know that? This Muslim leader was there to meet our president, and our president literally shook his hand and bowed down to him. This meant something different in the Muslim world than it means in our world, hello, in the Western world. So that is an act of worship. That bowing down is an act of worship. So the, the, the Israelites saw Moses at the tent of meeting, meeting with God in the presence of God, and they bowed down and, and, they, and they worshiped. They just began to worship. Let's look at verse 11. It says, Then the Lord would speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to a man, or a friend speaks to a friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, the younger man, he wouldn't depart from the tent. It goes into a, a, whole, a whole lot more. But what I want you to see is that Jacob met with Moses face to face. Excuse me. God face to face. Moses met, went, met with God face to face. Okay? So we see this face to face meeting. We don't want... You just to know about God. We want you to know God. And God to know you. So in order for us to really understand and move into his presence. Do you think that there should be a face to face meeting with us and God? And we talked about coming face to face with God. An encounter with God face to face. That is getting into his presence. And there's a couple things that I think we need to realize and understand. 
we go face to face with God, then there's a couple things. Number one, let me give this one to you. We need to recognize the presence of God. Jacob recognized the presence of God. Moses recognized the presence of God. Are you with me? Could I even say that the Israelites recognized when Moses was face to face with God, they began to worship. They began to worship. When we recognize the presence of God and we get face to face with God, something will happen within us. Okay, let me give you, let me give you an example. In Luke chapter 1, I think it's um, verses 41 through 45. John the Baptist was in Elizabeth's tummy. Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist. And Mary came and she was pregnant with Jesus. You remember this? She was pregnant with Jesus and Mary came to Elizabeth and what happened when John the Baptist got in the presence of God? Does anybody know? What? He leapt. Joy happened. And this was while they were in the womb. Just by coming into the presence of God, John the Baptist recognized by the Spirit the presence of the living God. And just when Elizabeth and Mary got together and both of them were pregnant with the babies, John leapt. The Mary inside of Mary, there was an expectation, there was an excitement. Oh, come on, somebody. See, when we begin to recognize the presence of God, we're going to begin to, it, what happened is he began to connect with his eternal purpose. When we get in the presence of God, we can begin to connect with our eternal purpose. And when you connect with your eternal purpose, it's going to bring joy in your life. Oh, come on, somebody. Smile, because it's going to bring joy in your life. When you connect with an eternal purpose of God, it's going to bring joy in your life. Can I get an amen? So we begin to see that John the Baptist, and it was in Elizabeth's womb, and, and they began to connect. It connected because he recognized Christ. Because he got in the presence of God. And because he connected with his eternal purpose. And what I saw was when he connected with eternal purpose, that joy came. So now, that wasn't the only time that John recognized the presence of God. Turn with me to John chapter 1. I just want to read through uh, John chapter 1 or St. John in some of your Bibles. I want to read through 29 through 34. John chapter 1, 29 through 34. Now remember that John the Baptist was a forerunner for Jesus. And I think it's Matthew one eleven that talks about that John, those that are least in the kingdom are greater than John the Baptist. And how many of you know John the Baptist was a pretty great guy? 
I mean, so those of us that are in the kingdom are, are greater than John the Baptist because John the Baptist saw the kingdom at hand, but he never operated and walked in the kingdom like we can operate and walk in the kingdom. Can I get an amen? Okay, John chapter 1. What did I say? Verses 29 through 34. Okay, the next day he saw Jesus coming. This was John, John the Baptist, and he, he was crying out. He was giving a testimony, and, and, and he, he was really beginning to, to bring in Jesus. And he was baptizing those in water, and, 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 and he began to start talking about there was one coming that, 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 that I'm not even worthy, that I can't even worthy to untie his shoes or whatever it might be. And, and, he, and he looked and he saw Jesus and Jesus was coming to him and he said, he recognized the presence of God. Do you think he had recognized that before? See, a lot of times we don't think about this. But John and Jesus were cousins. Do you think John and Jesus ever played together when they were kids? Sure. So did not John recognize who Jesus was? <laughs> I make you think tonight, aren't I? Was this the first time that he had recognized? Or was there something activated within John and his eyes may have been opened and he looked up and it hadn't have been the first time that he'd seen Jesus. And I don't know. Maybe he hadn't seen Jesus for 10 or 15 years. I don't know. But he began to recognize the presence of the Lord. And, and, here's, and here's what he said. He said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he on behalf of whom I said, after me comes a man that's higher in rank than I, for he existed before me. Okay. In the natural, John the Baptist was born before Jesus. So was he talking about natural or was he talking about spiritual? Because if he was talking about natural, then John the Baptist existed before Jesus did. So he was talking about spiritual, meaning before the beginning of time. Things are beginning to line up. This is he who I'm talking about. This is he, the Messiah. When I said, prepare ye the way of the Lord, prepare ye the way. John the Baptist was declaring and prophesying and preaching and saying, declare ye the way. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what he was saying. Prepare the way of the Lord. And he began to recognize the presence of God. And he said, behold, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he goes on and he said, after me comes this man of higher rank than I and existed before me. I did not recognize him so that he might be manifested to Israel. I came baptizing in water. John testified saying, I have been, I have, excuse me, seen the spirit descending as a dove out of heaven. And he remained on him.
I'm trying to look for a a prop I can use tonight. Verse 33 says, I didn't recognize him. He who sent me to baptize in water said to me, he upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining upon him, this one, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen him testified that this is the son of God. Jesus was baptized, right? He came to John and there's other versions and John said, I'm not even worthy to tie your sandals, right? He baptizes Jesus. Jesus comes up out of the water. The heavens open up. We all mostly know this, don't we? The heavens open up. And the Bible says that out of heaven comes what? A dove. What does a dove represent? The Holy Spirit. Say Holy Spirit. The dove represents the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit didn't just fly around Jesus. Hello? The Holy Spirit did what? He remained on him. I can't find anywhere in Scripture that says after he remained on him, he left. The heavens open up. The Spirit of God ascends like a dove, remains on Jesus. He hears the word from Daddy. This is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. The Spirit of God remains on him, doesn't move off of him, stays with him. Now, wait a minute. I thought the Spirit of God was in us. So as, as we look at the Scripture, we have to understand that, first of all, John saw Jesus coming. And Jesus was a manifestation of the Father. God, Emmanuel, God with us. Sent to the earth, are you with me? As the Son. He set aside His divinity, choosing to live as a man, completely relying upon God. He said, "What in John, later on, he says, I only do what my father tells me. I only do what I see my father do. Completely relying upon God. Jesus was directed in all that he did and all that he said by the father. Listen to this. Face to face. Face to face. He had a relationship with God face to face. So we see the Spirit of God just has just descended upon him. And that Spirit of God, the if it, if I could say this, the presence of God was ascended on him. Right there. It just uh, some versions say it lit. It lit on him, just stayed there on him. 
So that's the presence of God. The presence of God will bring us to greater truths. So we need to recognize the presence of God. And the presence of God will bring us to greater truths. Okay? So next slide, Marty. The presence of God, those greater truths could be what? That God is good. The presence of God can bring us to a greater truth that God is in me or with me. Say, God is good. Say, God is with me. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Oh, come on. When you become a believer and follower of Christ, God is in you, with you, and... Ah, <laughs> here's another truth that the presence of God will come and bring to you. He comes to make my body his temple. Right? My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. A greater presence when we gather in his name. Isn't that what he says? When we gather together in his name... His presence is greater. Oh, come on, somebody. There's times where I can just, oh, oh, no. Don't do that. I got to be careful how I move. There's times when we come together, then the presence of God is so much greater than I could ever experience when we're apart. And there's times when I'm by myself that I experience some wonderful things as my daddy loves on me. But there's a difference in his presence coming in and living in you and resting upon you. Oh, come on, somebody. Are we... Jesus encountered the presence of God through the baptism, the death and burial of the old way. Are you with me? The old covenant. And the resurrection of new life operating in the new covenant. He set aside his divinity. He, he chose instead to live as a man. Completely relying on God. He operated in a supernatural lifestyle. Fully man. Fully God, operating in a supernatural lifestyle. His quest for living face to face with God or face to face with God. And I'm not sure, you know what I mean, even now, if he's seated on the throne and he's on the right hand of God, so the Father's to his left, then how many know there's face to face interaction going on? Hello? I mean, would you not think that that would be the case? There's face-to-face interaction taken on. The Bible says that he grew in favor with God. So when we look at the Holy Spirit that has been positioned to manifest God in and through us, then it was first upon Jesus and then Jesus to the world. First upon Jesus and then Jesus to the world. Are you with me? First upon Jesus, and then Jesus 
to the world. So that's the manifest presence of God. So the Holy Spirit remained upon him. Turn with you Matthew. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. I just want to read, read Matthew's account. I want to look at verses 13 through 17. Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him by saying, I have need to be baptized for you, and you don't come to me? But Jesus answered him and said, Permit at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to what? Fulfill part of righteousness, all of righteousness. Then he permitted him. After being baptized by Jesus, he came immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, the voice out of heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The father was identifying Jesus as his son. Do you know that in the same way he identifies you? As his son, that's good news tonight. That you're being identified as his son. But here's what I want you to see. From the time he was baptized, my personal belief that the enemy did not know who Jesus was until he was baptized and heard heaven open and the voice of the Father said, this is my son. Now, there isn't a scripture that says that's when he knew, but all I know is that after this, the Holy Spirit led him out into the wilderness to fast for 40 days. Are you with me? And what happened right after that? Right after that, the enemy came after his identity. He came and he said, if you're the son of God, Turn these stones into bread. Right? He all of a sudden came to harass him. He came to question him. But listen, in the middle of that, see, I've got this representation as the Spirit of God that is on my shoulder because in the middle of what took place, the Spirit never left him. Oh, come on, somebody. Hello? But Jesus had to walk it away. For the spirit not to be frightened. Not to be moved. He had to walk in a way of purity. He had to walk in a way of holiness. Oh, come on, somebody. Walk in a way that, that he wouldn't startle the spirit and the spirit leave. So it rested upon him. It, it lit upon him. The spirit was was there upon him, and now the Spirit of God lives within us, but I wonder if it's also upon us because we need to walk in a way that doesn't frighten him. We need to walk in a way that he doesn't leave. Hello, hello, somebody. Every move that Jesus made, he had to have made with this in mind, that the Spirit was resting upon me. I believe the Spirit was also in Jesus. 
And you remember when Jesus said, look, I've got to go to the Father, so what? I can send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to you. Oh, come on. So maybe it was like this. He had to ascend to heaven to be seated at the right hand of the Father and then release the Spirit to go and dwell in man or dwell on man. What do you think about that? It's that spirit that he had to move in a way. We have to look at Jesus. And I'm reminded that Jesus stopped the storms and just didn't clean up after it hit. Let me say that again. Jesus stopped the storms and just didn't clean up after it hit. Jesus raised the dead instead of performing funerals. Right? He raised the dead instead of performing funerals. So he had to move through these two and a half to three years knowing that the Spirit of God had rested on him. So everything he did, everywhere he went, everywhere he walked, he walked. Are you with me? Come on, somebody. See, one time I preached about walking as a barefooted priest in your life, that you got to be careful where you step and where you go and what you do. I believe this is the same thing as Jesus has rested, or the Spirit has rested on Jesus. Jesus respected and honored and had relationship and didn't want to do anything to cause the Spirit of God to move in another direction or to leave in another direction, but to continue to honor Him. He lived His life with this in mind. Face to face with God. Jesus healed the blind instead of training a seeing eye dog. It comes down to choices. So when we're face to face with God, when we're in His presence, Things will change. And when things change, we have a choice to operate as if the Holy Spirit. And I think a lot of us sometimes will do things and not realize that we don't want to do something to cause the Spirit of God to leave. Do you remember David said, Father, don't take your spirit from me. He obviously had experienced the spirit of the living God. So we're supposed to be like Jesus. Turn to your neighbor, somebody around you and say, you're, you're like Jesus. You're like Jesus. You are, you are, you're like Jesus. So as we move into the presence of God, as we seek after the presence of God, and then we find the presence of God, or you get in the face of God, then I want to challenge you. 
Are you living your life in a way that is honorable to the Spirit of God? Ooh. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But there's conviction of the Holy Spirit to say, wait a minute. Am I living my life? Will I live my life the next five years, the next 10 years, the next 15, 20, 50, 75, no matter how old some of us are, how long we're going to live? Could we live our life in a way that we are respecting and honoring the Spirit of God on us? And would we go where we go now? Would we do what we do? Would we say what we say? Would we act the way we act? You know, there was years ago, there was a, and I don't know how many years ago it was, but the people would wear these bracelets. And do you remember what it was? WWJD. And it stood for, what would Jesus do? But I remember seeing people that wore that bracelet, but they didn't do what Jesus would do. Oh, come on, somebody. It was like, what would Jesus do? And I'm like, well, why don't you do what Jesus did? If he said we're to heal the sick, then we need to heal the sick. If he said we're to pray for the, the blind, we're to pray for the blind. If he said we're to cast out demons, we need to be casting out demons. If he says we're going to speak in new tongues, we're going to speak in new tongues. If, if he says that there, a serpent's going to, the enemy, the devil, the, he's going to try to come after you and he's going to bite you, but he's not going to harm you. Oh, come on, somebody. Then we need to be like Paul when he was bit by the snake and he just shook it off. And people were looking at him and they thought he's going to swell up because that's what they did. They would swell up. And he didn't swell up and they looked at him and they said, oh, he must be a god. We are God's representative here on the earth. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And we've got to live our life in a way that we get in the face of God. And when we get in the face of God, will it be like Jacob that you're going to wrestle and wrestle and wrestle? And maybe Jacob had a way that he wanted to live. And God said, no, you're not going to live that way. Maybe Jacob said, I'm going to walk the way I want to walk. I'm going to be the way I want to be. And it was like, oh, no, I don't think you're going to walk. I think you're going to walk the rest of your days with a limp. How many of you know? I I believe that every single day after Jacob lived that he realized and understood that he met God face to face and there was a permanent reminder of what God had done in and through him and changed his name from Jacob to bring him into his destiny, his plan and his purpose and that was Israel and the nations. Hallelujah. I know some people, uh, I was in a a meeting a few years ago when they were talking about they set their cell phone and their cell phone went off every 10 minutes to remind them about God. Oh, isn't that something? I know somebody that they would, they would wear a band or a wristband and every time they saw it, it reminded them what? Of the Spirit. I know somebody that would have a cross that they had put in their pocket that they would take with them and carry with them all the time and they would reach down like this and they'd feel that cross. So if they were in the middle of an argument or they're in the middle of a discussion that they could begin to feel that cross and say, am I going to react in a way that is pleasing to the Father? Am I going to react in a way that is pleasing to the Holy Spirit? Am I going to react in a way that should be pleasing and bring blessing?
I know somebody that when they preached, they would, they would have a cross and they would hold on to the cross every time they preached and, and they would hold on to that cross and they didn't want to do anything or say anything or anything that would just got to be a constant reminder. Now, I don't know what it is in your life that may have to be a constant reminder, but it doesn't have to be a bad thing. It can be a good thing to say that is a reminder I remember when the Israelites crossed over the Jordan River. Do you remember what they did after they got to the other side? They collected 12 stones. And it was there as a reminder. And they said when your families go by, they're going to say, Hey, hey, Dad, what, what are those 12 stones? And there's going to come back to the time that Moses parted the Red Sea and God delivered the Israelites, come on, out of the hand of the oppressive Pharaoh rulership in Egypt. So there can be some really good things in your life that you can look at and go, that's a reminder of the goodness of God. That's a reminder of our Lord and Savior. Can we give him some praise in the house tonight? Hallelujah. Because we want to... When we're praying, we're praying, we're praying for, for you to come face to face with God. We are praying for you to have encounters. Not so you got to walk with a limp the rest of your life. But when you have an encounter with God, something has to change within you. And I want to focus on, on John the Baptist and, and, and there was joy that obviously had come. But how many of you know that there was the, the part, the rest of the story was when Jesus had to slip away because he had heard that John the Baptist was arrested. And then he had heard that John the Baptist was beheaded. And, and, and he had to slip away because you knew it must have hurt something terrible on the inside of him. And how much of it would you want to go, I'm going to go get revenge. I'm going to call thousands of angels down and we're going to wipe out the king that just took John the Baptist's head. I'm going to say, that's what you get for messing with my cousin. But he didn't. But he did get face to face with God. He separated himself. He got into the presence of God. And there were times with the, uh, those that were around him. But you see time and time again where he was, he obviously was communicating with the father. And it wasn't through a text message or Facebook or Twitter or a telephone or FaceTime or Skype or Showtime or whatever time. Do, do you understand? It was he and the Father. The presence, when we come into the presence of God... It can change things, can't it? You can look at something differently and see what you didn't see. See what God wants you to see. Will you guys stand tonight? Heaven is longing to invade the natural realm. The Spirit of God wants to bring you into the face of God. So tonight, I'm just going to ask you just to put your hand on your heart tonight. And I'm praying for you to, to just have an encounter of God. My prayer for you is that you won't ever be the same when you meet Him. My prayer for you that you'll find a way to forgive. My prayer for you that you'll 
find a way to be pleasing. And you are pleased with God. I don't want you to hear anything different. But be able to move in a way that that is honorable. Be able to move in a way that is respectful. Be able to move in a way that brings you into His presence. Because in His presence, there's fullness of joy. John the Baptist had joy <laughs> when he was in the presence. I think about I think about I think about John when he wrote the book of John, and he talked about I'm I'm his beloved. I'm Jesus' favorite is what he was really saying. I'm his beloved. When he must have been in the presence of Jesus, and it was just about his presence. What about Mary and Martha when Mary? was seated at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus looked at Martha. Martha came up and it's like, Jesus, why don't you have Mary help me? And Jesus looked at Martha and said, though Mary is doing what's important. We can get caught up in the busyness of our day. And I'm not saying don't do any functional things throughout the day. Yes, you have to. You have to go to work. You have to, to take care of some things in yourself and those around you. That's the love of God. That's your first ministry. But what about the times where we can just sit at the feet of Jesus and we can just get in the presence of God? I just release encounters of his presence upon your life. I release you to have face-to-face encounters with God. I release you to be able to have joy, laughter. You know, the Bible, we're going to talk a lot about this, but the Bible talks about that God sits in the heavens and laughs. He's not laughing at you. In fact, he's laughing at the schemes and the plans and the purposes of the enemy, thinking he can really do something. Let's just release you tonight. I release you into those encounters for him. Encounters and that they will be contagious and that others that you come around or near that are in your family or area of influence or where you work, that there will be encounters released. I encourage you and empower you to release encounters for others around you. Shake their hand. Say, how you doing this morning? Put your hand on their shoulder and say, I'm just going to release an encounter of a loving father for you to encounter his love in a greater way. I just thank you for this. And we bless you now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So you're going to encounter, you're going to get face to face with God. Amen. Amen. We bless you. We release you tonight. If you need prayer tonight, we pray for you. God bless you. And invite somebody for Sunday. Tell them we're going to bring you into the goodness of God. They need to hear this message that's coming on the goodness of God. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening.